0: So the Olympics will not go ahead this summer. When else has Canada missed the games? Either because they were canceled altogether or because we were a part of a boycott. Plus, how is Canada's construction industry responding to COVID-19? I'm Nikki wright and this is why. Canada will not be participating in the 2020 Tokyo Summer Olympics. The announcement was made on Sunday, March 22nd. Canada is the
1: first country to announce a pullout of the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Team Canada tweeted about their decision on Sunday, citing concerns over the coronavirus and adding, quote, postpone today, conquer tomorrow. Canada will not send athletes if the Olympics are held in 2020. Basically, the COC has said if you postpone the Olympics to Tokyo in 2021, that's fine, we will go. We are not going this year. Australia has since followed suit.
0: There's only been a handful of times in modern history, since the year 1900, which is the first year that Canada participated in the Olympics, that we as a country have missed the Games. Of course, there were no Olympics during World War One. But following that, an interesting and coincidental pattern has emerged. The year was 1940, and the world was at war for the second time that century.
2: Wheeling East, after sealing the Palais Pockets, the First Canadian Army commences a tremendous drive for the River Seine.
0: Exactly 80 years ago, flight. in the midst the of World War II, the 1940 the Olympics were cancelled. Where were they supposed to be held? Tokyo, Japan. So, 80 years ago this year, the Tokyo Olympics were cancelled not because of disease outbreak, but because of the outbreak of war. Fast forward to 1980, exactly 40 years after the defunct Tokyo Games, and 40 years ago today, what was going on in the world?
3: Even though most analysts knew there were thousands of Soviet troops in Afghanistan, last week's coup d'etat caught most of them by surprise. Maybe it shouldn't have, because at least in hindsight, there were plenty of indications of what the Soviets were contemplating. By
1: all accounts, the Soviet takeover was meticulously planned and skillfully executed. The Soviet move has thrown this part of the world into turmoil.
0: In protest of the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, U.S. President Jimmy Carter announced America's athletes would not attend the 1980 Olympics in Moscow.
1: Nearly 100 of the American athletes personally affected by the President's order to boycott the Moscow Olympics went to the White House today to hear a personal plea for support from the President.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. He walked into the East Room to silence, the first time in his presidency that no one applauded his entrance. It was a grim moment for President Carter and the young athletes. And the President told them, for the people of Afghanistan, it was a grim issue.
3: Thousands of
1: people's lives have already been lost. Entire villages have been wiped out deliberately by the Soviet invading forces. I can't
2: say at this moment what other nations will not go to the Summer Olympics in Moscow. Ours will not go.
0: 65 other nations followed suit. In solidarity with our southern allies, Canada also boycotted the Games. The announcement was made in the House of Commons by the Minister of External Affairs.
2: We have decided that the circumstances leave us no choice but to urge the Canadian Olympic Association to inform the organizing committee for the 1980 Olympics that Canadian athletes will not be participating in the Games. We ask Canadian athletes and Canadians generally to support this important decision which has been taken in the national interest.
0: The decision meant that 211 Canadian athletes would not compete in that year's Games in Moscow. In the end, the Olympics in Moscow went on as scheduled, although only 80 nations sent athletes, the smallest number since 1956.
1: The timing could not have been more deliberate. Hours after runners in New York City began carrying the Olympic torch cross country to Los Angeles and the site of the Summer Games, Soviet commentators went on television and radio. The Soviet National Olympic Committee has announced it considers impossible the participation of Soviet athletes in the 23rd Olympic Games in Los Angeles.
0: Forty years later, here we are today. Coincidentally, following that 40-year pattern, Canada will not be participating in the Summer Games in Tokyo, nor will the rest of the world. The Tokyo Games cannot go ahead as scheduled this year.
1: Opposition to letting the Games go ahead in July spiked sharply over the
0: weekend. USA Swimming and USA Track and Field called for the 2020 Olympic Summer Games to be postponed due to growing coronavirus concerns. And Olympic committees in Norway and Brazil have endorsed postponing. And games. on Monday, Australia's
1: Olympic Committee said they would be pulling out of the 2020 Games.
0: On Tuesday, March 24th, Japan's Prime Minister, Shinzo Abe, officially requested that the Games be postponed for one year until 2021.
3: Japan has asked for the Olympic Games to be postponed for a year. Well, Japan's Prime Minister, Shinzo Abe, had a meeting with Thomas Bach, the ISU president, this morning about what to do.
0: They'll still be the known Olympics as the 2020 Canada. Games, but we'll know that Canada was the first nation who said we will not attend if they were held this summer. While postponing the Games is unprecedented, you can add it to the list of odd milestones in Olympic history that we seem to experience every 40 years or so. Here are a couple other interesting facts about Olympic history. The very first games, back in ancient times, were both a religious and athletic festival, held at the Sanctuary of Zeus in Olympia, Greece. Competitors would come from different city-states and kingdoms, and they'd take part in events like wrestling and chariot racing. We don't officially know the exact origins of the ancient Olympic Games. There are many myths and legends as to how it all started. Nor do we actually know when the very last of the Olympic Games were held, but they certainly seem to be phased out as the Romans gained power in Greece. Could have been in 393 AD, when the emperor ruled all pagan festivals should be banned. Or could have been in 426 AD, when the next emperor ordered the destruction of all Greek temples. But of course, that wouldn't be the end of the Olympics forever. The International Olympic Committee, otherwise known as the IOC, was founded in 1894. The very first modern Olympic Games were held in 1896. Just like the ancient games, this inaugural modern version was held in Greece. Canada didn't participate in those games, but we did in the year 1900. As we've already discussed, there have been a few times in history when the Olympics were cancelled. Actually, only during times of war, 1916, 1940, and 1944. Tragedy has befallen the Games. For example, the Munich Massacre, a hostage taking during the Games at the Summer Olympics in 1972. Eleven members of the Israeli Olympic team were killed. The Games have been boycotted, most memorably, in 1980 and 1984. And of course, we now know that the 2020 games have been postponed until 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Coming up later in this episode, we look at two Canadian industries in the context of COVID-19, construction and trucking. You're listening to This Is Why, a national global news podcast and radio show. You can download and subscribe now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to This Is Why, a national radio show and podcast from Global News. I'm your host, Nikki wright You may be at home in some form of self-isolation, protecting others and protecting yourself from potentially catching or spreading COVID-19. But as you know, there are many essential service workers employed in so many different capacities that still have to go to work every day. Think about the food that you buy from the grocery store, the products you order online. Well, someone has to deliver it all truckers are essential service workers, many of whom drive across the border so we can get the products that we need here in our Canadian stores, especially during this unusual time. How are truck drivers coping with COVID-19? Dave Earle, president of the BC Trucking Association, spoke to radio show host Simi Sarah. Let's
3: take a listen. What is it like for the trucking industry right now?
1: Well, you know, like everybody else are our members and uh, the drivers that are working for them are are trying their best to make sure that uh, we're doing all we can to uh, to help during this crisis. it's uh, It's really unprecedented times. Uh, you said it pretty well. There's lots of anxiety around uh, exposure if they're working. Uh, cross-border moving into the United States. And uh, some of our members are just absolutely hopping busy and others are uh, are starting to see some uh, some business uh, slide off. So it's, uh, it's a real mixed bag.
3: Yeah, so where is the business kind of sliding off? Would it be deliveries to restaurants, places like that?
1: Exactly. Any place that you can think of where the operations have been shut down or curtailed, um, if they're not operating, they're just not needing as much. Um, it's not that things have gone completely quiet they certainly haven't um, but the volumes are just down I mean even all the way to uh, to fuel with uh, fewer people driving and moving around uh, we just are, are burning less gas so uh, there's less bulk deliveries
3: so what's hopping busy then
1: uh, retail uh, we, we had a uh, one of our, our larger shippers uh, is in the uh, the process their usual volumes are about hundred and forty trailers a day Um over the Christmas uh, time and Christmas season, they can be upwards of 200. Uh, last week, on one of the days, they moved 280.
3: Whoa. And that's grocery yeah. stores, drug stores, pharmacies, that kind of thing?
1: You betcha. It's everything to do with retail that faces you and I as we walk into those stores.
3: That is unreal. So, then, how are truck drivers managing, Dave? Obviously, there's no restaurants really for them to eat at. How are they coping with all that?
1: To me, that's been a really big issue and it's been one of the the big learnings that we've had going through this, not knowing what we were exactly getting into. When those restaurant dining rooms closed, a lot of uh, of, uh, fast food restaurants or casual dining restaurants just went off the map. So they're not able to access uh, these facilities when they're on the road. Uh, we've been working uh, both in the province and nationally with Restaurants Canada, uh, with various restaurant chains to uh, to get them to to realize uh, that they need to change the rules a little bit.
3: In what ways? Like how can they help?
1: Uh, biggest thing they can do is allow the drivers to order through drive through. Now that may sound really simple, but when you think about it. These guys can't swing a fifty-three foot trailer through most yeah. drive-through lanes, you know. So it's allowing them to actually walk up to the window and place that order. Um, a lot of, of, of drive-through restaurants have uh, have uh, rules in place to prevent that from happening during normal times, uh, but these aren't exactly normal times. So we're really calling on those restaurants and franchise owners uh, to be alive to that, to allow drivers to come to that that drive-through window and make an order.
3: Now, what about drivers who are coming in from the United States, Dave? Is there concern there and what kind of precautions are being taken?
1: Well, one of the things that we put together for our members and for drivers that's available on our website is a series of best practices uh, in terms of how to make sure that drivers' exposure is minimized. Uh, We talk about things that we're all familiar with now in terms of social distancing. Well, you know, for a driver, that's not terribly difficult as they work alone most of the day. Uh, but when we think and start looking at how they interact with the customer on either end of the shipment, uh, you know, making sure that they stay in the cab whenever possible, do everything online and orally, um, you know, avoid switching back and forth paperwork. Um We talk about taking extra food with them in their coolers so they can actually make sure that they don't have to leave the truck as much as possible. Um, many units have washroom facilities built in now, depending on, on what type and what model. Um, but if they're not, then where can they go to access facilities um, to use a restroom? And then how do you protect yourself when you're doing it? There's lots of anxiety. And uh, a principal reason for that is this isn't their usual business. They're not healthcare workers working with infectious diseases and working in environments where their health uh, is imminently... Uh, at top of mind for them, mm-hmm. um you know so this has been a big transition and uh, and we're working hard to provide them with the tools and uh, and knowledge to be able to mitigate
3: so is there things that anybody can do that might help here?
1: Yeah, give them a wave. Literally, Um, you know, think about the work that they're doing and uh, and give them a break when you see them on the road. They are the reason that you and I uh, during this time can go to the grocery store, go to the drugstore, have those supplies for us. Um, You know, so restaurant owners, please, by all means, open your facilities. Think about how you can interact. Uh, with the industry and uh, and everybody else, just uh, keep them top of mind and uh, and think about the work that they're doing.
3: Now, Dave, are the is the trucking industry considered an essential service? Are those truck drivers essential service workers?
1: Yes, uh, they are. They they certainly are, and there's no commodity restrictions uh, moving across the border. So, what that means is, uh, at this point, we're we're simply it's you can't say it's business as usual because there is no usual business. Uh, in this environment. But uh, what we're doing is we're finding a way to make sure the work gets done uh, and making sure that that those essential goods continue to move.
3: All right, Dave, thank you very much. And listen, I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon with an update.
1: Anytime. Thanks for for having me, Simi.
3: That's Dave Earle, president of the BC Trucking Association, talking about the issues facing the trucking industry right now. Yes, I
1: lose my job, I lose my job. I not be speaking like this, but I don't care. I don't give a anymore because
0: I'm scared too. What you're hearing a to is a video a that was taken of a construction worker in Toronto to expressing it. his concerns around sanitation on. on the job site. Just imagine he's standing on some planks of wood and he's wearing a yellow high-vis safety vest and he has a red hard hat on the other guys on the site, they're standing in front of him, and they're dressed more or less like him, and they're just quietly listening. He's upset, and so are many other Canadian construction workers who know that physical distancing and full sanitation is simply unrealistic on the job site. Of course, not every tradesperson is worried or concerned or wants to stop working. Not everybody feels this way. But I did speak with a journeyman electrician named Crystal, who said that she is kind of worried because she knows that in the trades, there's a culture that you show up to work and you work hard, even if you're feeling under the weather.
2: The deadlines never stop. You're always stuck with hitting that deadline or losing the contract. And so if your boss is in the contract for a certain deadline, you've got to show up unless you're virtually in the hospital. You have to be there to get the job done on time. You get mocked if you stay home too much or if you're sick too much and you get told to suck it up and just deal with it and
0: carry on. And even right now, does that culture still persist even though we're hearing repeatedly stay home, stay home, stay home, especially if you're feeling sick?
2: I'm seeing a lot more people use hand sanitizer but uh, I've known of at least a handful of people who have been like, oh yeah, I'm I'm starting to get a cold, my throat's sore and are still showing up to work because... It's so ingrained in us. There's nothing stopping you from getting to the job site.
0: She said it's complicated because some small sites might only have two or three guys working on them, and it's not so bad there. But on a big residential site like where she is, she said it's on the builders to draw the line.
2: Talking about shutting down construction is is a really tricky issue because there's lots of so like, smaller companies or a single custom house that only has, you know, three people working in it at a time. And that's a lot easier to police or, like, landscaping companies where you're already outside and you're a small group of people. Uh, but definitely, like, construction sites for residential houses where, I mean, who knows if anyone's going to even be moving at this point in the next couple of months. they got to get stopped and shut down. And nothing's going to change until somebody tells the builders that they have to stop you know, have to start there. Because I work for a small company, we work for a big builder. If they don't stop, we can't stop.
0: This is Why is produced by me, Nikki Reitmeyer, and usually by Adam Toy and Dave McIver. You can hear this episode again online, get it wherever you download and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.